0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I hope you had a wonderful kickoff to the holiday season, that you had a great Thanksgiving. I'll be very honest with you. I missed y'all. I didn't necessarily miss recording this podcast. It felt great to have the week off. Not that I was like sitting around doing nothing. Like, as I think you all know, I'm in the middle of, of a massive merchandise drop. I usually only do the ratchet and respectable drops once a year. I spent most of my week off sitting in the middle of the floor packing boxes. But no complaints. I also did get a chance on, on Thanksgiving Day. I forced myself not to work. I worked right up until midnight on Thursday. I was like, close, close the computer, shut down ship station. Do not print anything. Do not pack anything. Like, do not work. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done. I was like, oh my God, I'm a legit workaholic. But I actually like what I do. But I actually like a break from what I do. But on Thursday, I did next to nothing. I laid in bed until like a good noon I went to my friend Brianna's house. She's an Atlanta girl. She cooked her ass off. For Thanksgiving, I ain't put no vegetables on my plate. I got macaroni and cheese, shrimp scampi, and mashed potatoes. I did two servings and I ate cake. And I felt really good about my life choices. Drink a bunch of champagne because I was still scared of wine. My friend Marquise, he had me pick up there's this place near my house called Woodspoon. It's a Brazilian restaurant, black-owned. It has this amazing Sangria. Now, I've eaten at the restaurant. The sangria at the restaurant is good, but the curry out sangria, I don't know what they put putting in it that. It's so good. But Marquise had me pick up bottles for him to take to the house. So I had sangria and champagne. I fell asleep on my friend's couch watching something sunset, not Shaza sunset. It's a bunch of tall, skinny white ladies who sell real estate selling sunset. So I started watching that from season one on Netflix and I was like, why are you introduced me to this show? Cause now I'm hooked. It's just enough rich white crazy to like get me interested. I love rich white people's shenanigans. They live in a whole different world. And I don't just mean money. I mean just just a whole different world. It's fascinating. But yeah, but that was my Thanksgiving and it was really good. And then I came home later that night. I wanna say like eleven thirty. And literally sat at my desk and waited for it to turn midnight so I could start working again. I have problems. I've watched some good TV. But before we get into that, we have some other things. Some housekeeping things that we need to talk about. One, I told y'all last episode, but this was a week ago. If you want ratchet and respectable merch, you need to go to the website right now and go get it. The logo hoodies only exist in a small now. The logo crewnecks. Only exist in 2X. Everything else is gone. I told y'all, I, I bought a bunch of stuff thinking it was going to last through the winter, like, till February. And, and it, it's gone. It's almost gone in a week. I think there's, like, 10 2Xs. That's only because the manufacturer sent me some more literally yesterday. We were down to one. My printer had extra green blanks, so they printed them up for me. Cut the check. I got a bunch of larges in yesterday because they had extra blue blanks at the factory. Blanks are, are blank um, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, like literally just like the blank shirt that hasn't been printed on yet. But he had extra blue sitting around the factory. So I had to print those up for me in a large because those went really fast. But the cut the check stuff is almost gone. Green Crew Next, the podcast Green Crew Necks with Ratchet and Respectable in white, almost gone too. Shut the Fuck Up is Free in pink almost gone. I think I have like maybe five t-shirts left and maybe five hoodies, white and gold, ratchet and respectable. The crew necks are gone in small for sure. I have more hoodies than I do crew necks. I think we still have those in every size. And then the purple, the interested men act interested. There are some of those. There's a decent number of those left. I know purple is a very particular color. People feel very strongly about liking it or not liking it. So that's fine. But if you want anything other than the purple, I will highly suggest to you that you that you pause this podcast and that you go get your merchandise and then you come back. As a bonus, I put the site on sale for most items on Friday. So Black Friday through Cyber Monday, there was a sale and it was supposed to end last night. I'm recording this on Tuesday at 9.45 a.m. I was going to close the sale last night, but I realized I hadn't done the podcast in a week. So people who only listen to the podcast, who would be obviously most interested in the merch may not follow me on social media and so may not know about the sale. So I wanted to make sure that the faithful listeners had access to the sale as well. So I'll leave that up. What's today? Tuesday. I'll keep the sale on until at least Friday. Does that work? Okay. Now now go to the site and get your merch and then and then come back. We'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. Just pause me. I'll be here. We have some not so good news this week, unfortunately. Virgil Abloh passed away from cancer. Cancer of the Heart is what I've read. He was a black man, his early 40s, and he was the artistic director of Louis Vuitton menswear collection since 2018. He was also the founder of Off-White. If you remember maybe like a year or two ago when everyone was wearing those yellow belts that almost looked like a tape measure. That's him. He had a long list of, of brand collaborations. My favorites are the one with, with Nike. There was this gray Jordan shoe. I think it was a Jordan 3. That was just like beyond. I just could not bring myself to pay that much money for sneakers. Um, and since his passing, I go on StockX to look at sneaker prices. The prices of his shoe collaborations have skyrocketed since he passed away. He did a lot. I remember there, was like, there were like off-white rugs. Even if you think you're not familiar with his work, you're familiar with his work. Okay, remember Amanda Gorman? The Young Poet Laureate, when she was on the cover of Vogue and she had on the um, the quote-unquote African print dress, really beautiful. Which I don't know why Louis Vuitton never released that print in anything else. I'm like, can you put this on like a speedy, a carry-all, a duffel, do this for the people. That was Virgil. It was an original print. Um, the first quote-unquote African print. And I'm saying quote-unquote African print because there's actually a real name for it just off the top of my head. I don't know what it is. It's not kente cloth. That's a very specific thing. It's not that. But that print is his, and it's part of the official Louis Vuitton, I don't know, vault of designs now. But he wasn't public about his, um, his diagnosis, which I completely understand why. So his passing came as a complete shock to most people. I will say this. Um, you can tell a lot about how people lived by how they are remembered when they die. When the news came that he passed, it was up and down my timeline. Everyone had a story. Everyone had a picture. Everyone had a rest in peace. Even people who didn't know him but just like enjoyed his, his work, his creative output. You know, they don't do that for everyone. Because some people die and you don't really hear much about it. He like rode his life until the wheels rolled off. And one of my friends described it as he died empty. And she was like, and that's the way to go. But I would guess that, you know, he got his diagnosis two years ago and he was like balls to the wall like I'm, I'm doing it all while I'm here. And he did. Um, I saw that Louis Vuitton is doing a tribute for him. Did I read that? I'm looking it up right now. I'm like, I saw it, but it's not in my notes. Yes, Louis Vuitton is doing a tribute show for him in Miami. It's, it's Art Basel Week in Miami. I, th- I think it starts literally tomorrow. I wanted to go, but I had a work assignment. It's keeping me away. But this is what I'm reading. Louis Vuitton will pay tribute to the life and legacy of a creative genius with the presentation of his spring-summer 2022 collection in Miami on November 30th. So that's actually today. I wonder if there's a live stream. 5.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is from Louis Vuitton's CEO. It is with profound sorrow that I learned of the passing of Virgil Abloh. I wonder if his boss is new because he just got a promotion earlier this year. He says Virgil was not only a friend, great collaborator, creative genius, visionary and disruptor, but also one of the best cultural communicators of our time. As a devoted supporter of his community through his charities and passions, he was an eternal optimist who believed anything was possible. In this same spirit, we at Louis Vuitton will proudly continue to celebrate his legacy with the final show in Miami, per his wishes. Just a quick note about the eternal optimism. You know, this man didn't even have a fashion degree. I was reading up on him. He's first generation American. His parents are from Ghana. And he had an engineering degree, which I was like, I mean, I guess there's a design brain thing happening there. I kind of think of engineering as less creative and more technical. But, you know, clearly the man was creative. But I was like, really? He had no fashion degree and ended up like running menswear at Louis Vuitton. It's like, sir, sir. You couldn't have told me he didn't have a fashion degree. I just assumed. I just assumed. <sighs> Such a loss. Such a loss. Totally gone too soon. I'll echo the chairman of Louis Vuitton, who deepest thoughts for his wife, children. He had two um, parents, family, and the entire community that was touched by his greatness. So sad so sad in less serious news tiffany and common broke up tiffany haddish i feel bad but i'm like did you not see that coming and not because of and not because of her look i'm gonna say this and i'm only gonna say it because people are assholes when women are in this situation and i think what's good for the goose is good for the gander oh my god i think i'm turning into my grandmother that's something she would say common cannot keep a woman to save his life and he be dating some bad chicks, too. Like, you've had cream of the crop. The leading ladies in their field at the height of their fame. Why you can't keep no woman, man? Erica? He was walking around in crochet pants with Erica. Still couldn't keep Erica. Serena? That's, that's a, that was a good look. You couldn't keep Serena? Angela? right? The height of her fame? You couldn't keep Angela? Bad chick? You couldn't keep her either? Tiffany Haddish? He ain't go get broke Tiffany Haddish. He got post-girls trip career exploding Tiffany Haddish. Isn't she hosting like a network show right now? You couldn't keep Tiffany either? Bruh, it's you. The common denominator is you. I just... I have my theories on why he can't keep a lady. I think it's more than just commitment issues. I suspect. I am totally speculating in the dark. And I'm saying this based on some nice men that I know... But I also know women that they've dated. The dispute is never that they're not nice. The dispute is never that they're not genuine. The complaint, and again, I don't know Common. I have no first-hand knowledge of anyone saying this about Common. I'm just saying the dick is trash. That's what I think it is. I could be entirely wrong. Maybe he's laying amazing pipe. I don't think so, though. I don't think so, though. And I always get the impression that the women leave him. I don't think he's leaving the women. I think, it's, I think it's his dick. I don't know if it don't work. Like it can't stay up or he can't keep it up. Maybe it's small. Maybe the stroke name is trash. Maybe he not open to suggestions. Maybe he ain't got no mouth skills. I don't know. But I think that's what it is. I know that's a terrible thing to say. I hope it's not the case. I hope I'm just dead ass wrong. And just, you know, it's, it's a case of grown people just, you know, being in relationships. And, you know, it, just, it runs its course and it goes to an end. I just know that when this sort of situation happens with women, people be like, what's wrong with her? That's what people say about Halle Berry. They'd be like, well, she had three husbands and, and couldn't none of them work as beautiful as she is? Like, what's wrong with her? I think she might have a bad picker. Because when people say stuff like that, I'm like, well, which one do you think Halle Berry should have stayed with? The one who beat her? The one with the sex addiction? Or the one who had, like, a violent temper and beat up the baby daddy? Like, which one? I think Halle might have a bad picker or some bad luck. But I respect that she gets out of a crazy situation. She ain't gonna sit up in no foolishness for too long. That's a life skill within itself. She got a new dude now. They be quiet about their love, and I think that's the best way. We see them pop up together every once in a while, but we don't see their their day-to-day interactions. I think that's one of the secrets to making it work is keeping folks out your damn business. Did y'all watch Holly's film on Netflix? Bruised? I haven't seen it. I'm so behind on so much TV. I went to see my lady about my lady yesterday, and we always have, like, the best chats when she's, like, you know, plucking my feathers. But she was talking to me about Bruce and she was like, oh, it was so good. This is really Hallie at her best. I really enjoyed it. And I was like, really? I've been hearing good things about it, but I just haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm not caught up on anything. That's not true. I watched that Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes miniseries. That was really good. But like, I'm not caught up on All American. I'm not caught up on The Bachelorette. I guess in fairness, though, this whole season, The Bachelorette hasn't been appointment TV for me. Like, I very much liked Michelle when she was on, when she was a contestant on the last season of the bachelor or the season of the bachelor with the first black guy but carrying a whole show she don't have a lot of personality to carry a whole show it hasn't been the most interesting i'm just in it to support the black girl i feel like we got off track i wasn't supposed to be talking about tv yet i wanted to talk about our good black news there's been a bunch but there's two things that i really want to mention because they just made me like black girl proud i saw rihanna was awarded in barbados let me pull this up She was honored as the national hero of Barbados. This happened, I think this happened yesterday. I'm reading on CNN. The singer was honored Monday, so yesterday, in her native Barbados during its presidential inauguration, which served to mark the country becoming a republic. The Barbadian prime minister, Mia Motley, told the crowd, On behalf of a grateful nation, but an even prouder people, we therefore present to you the designee for national hero of Barbados, Ambassador Robin Rihanna. Why am I tearing up? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm really sitting here crying. Like, a tear just fell out my eye. Oh, my God. The designee for national hero of Barbados, Ambassador Robin Rihanna Fenty. I think I'm like, I've always been super proud of Rihanna Um, just to come from like a little island like Barbados and then become like this global superstar. Um, And I thought this way even before she dropped Fenty and, you know, and then flipped her net worth into like over a billion dollars. It's just an amazing story of, of triumph and perseverance. I also think of And I don't and I don't bring this up lightly because I do believe folks should be able to like move on from shit. But I also think of that horrible photo when she was assaulted by her then boyfriend and that photo leaked and it was clearly one of the lowest moments of her life. And it's broadcast around the world and everyone sees her battered face. It was such a a low moment through no fault of her own. She didn't beat herself. She's not responsible for what her boyfriend at the time did. But to rise the way that she has from that moment, (sighs) that would have broken some people. And it didn't break her. And it just makes me really, really proud of her Um, and her success all the way through, but but especially since that incident. The prime minister went on to say, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to get through reading this. Oh, <sighs> OK, hold on. <sighs> the, the prime minister went on to say, quote, may you continue to shine like a diamond. Hmm. Oh, fuck it. And bring honor to your nation by your works, by your actions and to do credit wherever you shall go. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to like pause this damn podcast. Like, oh, I'm about to sob. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm clearly like affected by this and I'm not sure why. I'm like, I need to call my freaking therapist. I gotta move on to the next topic because I'm not gonna be able to make it through this one. Sorry, I wanted to say more about Rihanna. I think she's amazing. I think she's dope. Congratulations, Rihanna. I gotta move on just because I'm like weeping. What the fuck is wrong with me? Oh, this ain't gonna be no better. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm completely sober. Again, it's like nine something in the morning. All I had was coffee and water. Oh, The Soul Train Awards happened. I did not get a chance to watch. Y'all know I don't have like regular TV. Like I got to know what's happening and then I got to find a place to live stream it or, you know, my site where I could watch live TV on East Coast time to avoid spoilers. The only thing I know that happened at the Soul Train Awards was that Tisha Campbell... And Tashina Arnold hosted, which I feel like they've hosted stuff together before. They've been like besties since they were teenagers. And, you know, obviously they did Martin together. They have amazing chemistry. I know Silk Sonic performed. I'm obsessed with them. I know Maxwell received an award. The Living Legend Award. Not just a regular award, but the Living Legend Award. That's very important. I saw Ashanti receive the Lady of Soul Award. Jasmine Sullivan won Album of the Year for Hotels, which I think is much deserved. When Hotels came out, y'all remember I was talking about it on here and I was like, it's, it's an important album on the level of the miseducation of Lauryn Hill. That said, the Jasmine won Album of the Year, but it's her speech that everyone's been speaking about. And I posted this on my Instagram page. So she steps to the microphone and she looks timid. And she says she has something that she wants to say. And some black man in the audience yells out, let him use you. Because you know how black people be. I was like, sir, this is the Soul Train Awards. This is not church. But go on and do what you do. Your words of encouragement are appreciated. And he was loud, too. Jasmine heard him. She reacted to it. So she gets on the microphone. And I'm paraphrasing. And she says how she had made a promise to herself to show up for herself. And she talked about how she doesn't feel she's at her best. She said, quote, mama's been eating during quarantine. And when she walked out, like I noticed, like, you know, her cheeks were a little fluffier. But I was like, girl, mine too. I too have been eating during quarantine. The last three months, I don't know what's going on with me, but I have been chowing. But she steps up and she says that, you know, usually when she didn't feel that she was at her best, she would stay home. And I'm like, I can't imagine. I mean, I can. I'm saying I can't imagine. I absolutely can because I've done shit like this. But can you imagine Jasmine Sullivan receiving album of the year, something that has been long overdue and is much deserved. Jasmine Sullivan doesn't get half the accolades and attention and sales that she should. But can you imagine, and I'm sure a lot of you can, this really big moment where she like wasn't there because she was like caring about her weight. Or her appearance. And the sad part is I can't imagine because I've done that shit. That's the sad part. And I knew it was crazy at the time. I don't know. Having a, a negative self-image or, or low self-esteem or dealing with depression or whatever it is. It's all a fuck. You really think the craziest shit and it makes complete sense in your head. And you don't realize how nutty it is. Often until you either get therapy or... You see somebody else that, like, you genuinely, like, love and care about. And and you be like, is this really some shit you think I care about? Like, Jasmine Sullivan walked up or whatever. And like I said, like, I noticed her cheeks. And I was like, well, shit, me too, sis, me too. But she looked beautiful. She thick. She's still pretty. What the kids say now, face card never declines. Her hair looked right. Her makeup looked right. Her body looked right. Her outfit was cute. Like, she looked good. And then she got up there talking about how, like, you know, She had to talk herself into showing up because she made this promise to herself. And I was watching her say it. And I was like, one, like, oh, my God. Like, I just want to give her a hug. And then two, like, oh, is this how fucking crazy you sound saying this same shit? And I appreciate so much her vulnerability in saying it because, like, I posted about it on my page. And I was just like, shit, me too, sis. Me too. And then there was, like, hundreds of comments where everyone else was like, shit, me too. Yo, we do a number on ourselves, man. Such a number. Ugh. Also, I'll say this. People online, I think, and in our lives, it's it's not just a um, it's not just an online phenomenon. Be mindful of the shit that comes out your mouth about people. And I know I sometimes say crazy shit on here. I mean, most of it is in jest. Unless I'm really like disgusted by someone's behavior. I don't really take like too many jabs. I'm about to take a couple at the Cuomo brothers at the end of this podcast because, bruh, they wildin' right now. But it's not like Jasmine's um, perception of herself just exists in a bubble. Like, that stuff is in her head for a reason. Like, when she came out, she was like a thicker girl. Her weight has gone up and down publicly. It's not like she just up and decided with no context and in a bubble that she wasn't as worthy or she wanted to hide herself. It's because she's heard so many negative things said either directly about herself or she's heard them said about other people. Or even when she lost weight, like people said really ignorant shit to her about her previous appearance. And it's a real mind fuck when you lose weight and then people tell you how beautiful you are now. And if you happen to regain the weight, God forbid you, you regain the weight you lost and a little bit more. You know very precisely what people think of you, your appearance, your value. As a culture, we put a lot of value on women especially, but on weight and appearance and beauty. We have very narrow definitions of beauty. And one of the reigning ones is that you have to be very thin. Even for like black women, like it's a different standard than white women, but it's like this very narrow waist with these giant boobs and a big ass, big ass, big hips. It's equally as hard to attain as being like a size two or size zero white woman. It's a lot of genetics um, or starvation and constant working out. Some people are willing to do it more so than others or, you know, surgery um, to attain that ideal Well, we've assigned this level of value based on appearance. And when you don't match it, especially like the further you get away from it, people are more vocal and more insulting in the ways in which they find you lacking. It's really mean. So I totally understand how she could be like, you know, I thought about not showing up and likely because like she didn't want to hear the commentary online, like about her weight or about her appearance or about her dress. And I know people say that like, oh, it's part of it. It just comes with celebrity. I mean, it does. It does. But it shouldn't. She's not a model. She's there to sing. As long as that woman hits her notes, that's her job. I just felt bad for her. And I felt bad for me for all the times that like I thought like that. And I was like, anyone who gave two shits about me was like, oh, okay, she thick now. I'm just happy you're here. <sighs> We just we do such a number on ourselves and on others. (sighs) The Jasmine. I want to talk about King Richard real quick. Another bit of TV that I have not bothered to see. I told you I'm like not caught up on anything. I missed BMF this weekend. I watched Insecure. I have not watched King Richard yet. Also, my waxer. She said she saw King Richard and she thought it was amazing. She raved and raved and raved about it. And I do want to see it because I've heard really good things about it. I've read the think pieces about the portrayal of dynamic Black fatherhood and how we need to see more movies about Black fathers being complicated, yes, but supporting their children. I've read really good things about it. I saw that the numbers were good for it. Um, I just haven't had a chance to watch it. That said, that said, my understanding of what the film is, and this is based on what I've read, and and other people talking about it, that it's the father of Venus and Serena and how he guided his daughters into becoming strong girls, strong black girls, confident black girls, and guided them into being tennis superstars from a very young age. Okay. Since the film has come out, and notably, somebody pointed out the other day and was like, where is Richard Williams? Because like, there's a whole movie about him. And we see Venus and we see Serena and we see Will and we see the two young actresses that play Venus and Serena in the film. But like, notably, where's Richard? I read that he's battling dementia. He's not in great health. So that answers the the where's Richard question. But I don't think I knew this and I don't know why I would. But it seems, it seems, it is so that prior to creating a family that produced Serena and Venus... And their sisters, but there is a half sister who did an interview with the son. She slammed the film in general, and Richard Williams, her father, specifically. This sister's name is Sabrina. She is 57 years old. She points out that the film starts with Richard Williams and his new wife and their children. And she says, It's like nothing happened before. She says and it has been verified. That in the early 1960s, Richard, now 79, I'm reading from insider.com, by the way, Richard was married to Sabrina's late mom, Betty Johnson. They were married in Los Angeles and they had five children. Sabrina told the son that when she was eight and her younger sister was just eight weeks old, Richard Williams said he was leaving the house to buy Sabrina a bike. And she said he never returned. He went on to make a new life with his second wife, Venus and Serena's mother. Sabrina says that she has seen her father only a few times since then. She told the son. Truth be told, those girls rose to the top while his other children had to suffer because of the choices my dad made. We were raised in poverty after he left. She added, he's not the king of the world. If you look at him psychologically, it's something he's never achieved apart from in his head. He's lived only through two of his daughters forsaking all his children. Sabrina added that she doesn't hold any anger toward her dad. And she's attended counseling to deal with her unresolved feelings. I saw a lot of folks very upset about this woman's story. Their line of thinking was, you know, here is this story, this movie about this black father who raised and trained these confident girls who went on to be global superstars because of their talent and developed skill as tennis players. Okay. They say that this is a positive depiction of black fatherhood. And it's absolutely terrible that this woman would come along and compromise that image because it's so important to see strong, present, invested, loving, Black fathers. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think that it's great that the film was made. I think it's great that there is a depiction of a good Black dad. I do think it's necessary. I heard Will Smith has killed this role. I completely understand why Why Venus and Serena, who... I think people would be very open to seeing a movie about Venus and Serena. I think it's a deliberate choice that as the executive producers of this film... They opted to essentially pay homage to their father and his influence and his love while he's still alive. I think that's a really good and sweet thing to do um, for your dad, and they left out the part about you know the first wife. I think that's totally fair for for Venus and Serena to do. I also think it's totally fair for for this sister, this half-sister, Sabrina to tell her story too. I mean, one of the things that occurs is when you put yourself out there for public consumption is people always pop up and say that, you know, this was my role in this story or this is another part of the story that was left out. This happens every single time. It's not specific to Richard Williams or specific to a story about black people or black fatherhood. If my dad said he was going out to get me a bike or said he was going out for any reason and, and never came back, I I would have been devastated. Like your parent just left. And I know that's a lot of people's story, but like, what the fuck? And like the idea that this woman shouldn't speak up and, or she should, um, honor, honor some, um, I don't know, cultural uplift of, of black fathers and put that before her own feelings or before what her actual father did to her. Fuck that. She had every right to tell her story and I'm not mad that she told it. I think we often do this thing where we think that only one thing can be true. It can be true that Richard Williams was a good father, a good and present and active and caring and invested father in Venus and Serena and their full siblings. And it's also equally as true that he shitted on his first family. Both things are entirely true. And I don't know what else to call it than shitting on if you get up one day and just leave. Or you've, on, you've only seen your daughter a handful of times in her lifetime. What? So I'm glad she's telling her story. I think her truth is just that. And it deserves to be heard just as much as Venus and Serena's truth. And this movie that they've made about their dad. I don't think you have to choose. I think he was a great man. I think he was also like a shitty man. Equally true. <sighs> One thing I do want to talk about is these damn Cuomo brothers. I thought after Andrew stepped down as governor of New York for his I don't know, sexual, I don't know if it's called abuse, harassment, although grabbing somebody's titty on the job does sound like that does like that's that's abusive. That's like that's assault. CNBC published a story yesterday about Chris Cuomo's involvement in his brothers' The word I want to use is shenanigans, but it goes beyond shenanigans because it's mofo. Like it's one thing if you just saying wild shit to people, it's another when you start grabbing up on folks. Like I, I, I make a distinction there. CNBC ran this story the long lengths that Chris Cuomo was going to to help his brother. You remember a story about this came out a while ago where Chris Cuomo was like, yeah, I was on calls with like consultation. And maybe that was a bad idea because, you know, I host a news show on CNN and I gave him grace there. I realized that that's like a tricky gray area, but I was like, yo, it's his brother. His brother is involved in this scandal. Yes, he's going to speak to his brother. And yes, he's going to advise his brother, especially as Chris Cuomo is also a lawyer. So, like, that made sense to me. The story came out. Chris Cuomo apologized. I believe we moved on. But this story came out on CNBC on Monday, yesterday. Chris Cuomo, it has key points at the top, makes it easy for me, says Chris Cuomo was actively in touch with a top aide to his brother, Andrew Cuomo, about incoming reports that detailed alleged sexual harassment by the then New York governor. We knew that. We didn't know he was keeping regular touch with the top aide, but we knew he was on calls with aides. I don't think that's new news. This is Chris Cuomo lobbied to help the governor's office as it sought to weather the storm of accusations. And he dictated statements for the then governor to use. You work in media, on the biggest news platform. You know what lands well and what doesn't. You're giving brothers some consultation. It's in that same murky gray area of ethics that we spoke about before. You want to help Big Brother. It goes beyond just like I was on some calls and I had some thoughts. You you writing his speeches? Bruh. Bruh. Literally, bruh. This is where it starts to get damning three days after the New York times reported in March about how Andrew Cuomo attempted to kiss a woman at a wedding. Chris Cuomo texted who is DeRosa? I think DeRosa is a top aide. I have a lead on the wedding girl. This is how CNBC breaks it down. Quote, Chris Cuomo used his sources in the media world to seek information on women who accused his brother, Andrew Cuomo then the governor of New York, of sexual harassment, according to documents released Monday by the New York Attorney General's office. CNBC continues, Chris Cuomo has previously acknowledged advising his brother and his team on the response to the scandals. The records show that his role in helping the then governor was much larger and more intimate than previously known. CNBC quotes Cuomo is saying, please let me help with the prep. He put this in a message to DeRosa. CNN has said of this new information, we will be having conversations and seeking additional clarity over the next couple days. There's more. Chris Cuomo told investigators that he engaged with what he described as sources regarding the various allegations against his brother. He also said that he talked to his sources about yet-to-be-published stories from media outlets. He said, I would, when asked, I would reach out to sources, other journalists, to see if they had heard of anybody else coming out. There is a text exchange in March from the top aide to Cuomo, and it says, rumor going around from, rumor going around from Politico, one to, more, one to two more people coming out tomorrow. Can you check your sources? Chris Cuomo responded on it. He later texted, no one has heard that yet. So this story, of course, is on all the news sites I just read to you about CNN has responded. And when I was pulling up the story in order to, to be able to read quotes to you, the first few stories that come out are calling for Chris Cuomo's firing from CNN. The Atlantic has a story called Chris Cuomo Must Go. The subhead is new revelations show the CNN anchor betrayed his obligation to viewers. They actually call for Chris Cuomo to resign. They say if he doesn't, then CNN should sack him. The Atlantic points out that Chris mixed his roles as brother and broadcaster. They also point out, which I was about to as well, this makes it easy for me, that this is not Chris Cuomo's first scandal. We talked about his apology on air. But then, maybe it was like a month ago, there was a news story about him grabbing some lady's ass in front of her husband. And I was like what? And Chris said yes it was inappropriate. I apologize at the time. I want to say it was over 10 years ago when it happened. But still messy. Messy. And then now this? This is more than ethically murky. Like this shit this shit that just happened is like dead ass wrong. You know better as, as a journalist. Like I get it you want to help your brother. But the idea that you're like using your resources that you have through your work as a journalist and through your job, being one of the stars of CNN, to go asking around about stories coming out and, and women coming forward and details on specific women who have accused your brother of sexual harassment. Like, I know why you want to get the insider track. I understand completely why the aide asked. And, I, and I'm all about family. Like, I get it. But, like, you trying to look out for family who fucked up their own bag. And your bag might get fucked up, too. I don't think CNN is going to fire him. I think they might put him on suspension. But I also feel like Chris Cuomo. Actually, let me say this, though. I thought, like, Andrew Cuomo was too big to fail. I'm like, your father was the governor. There's a bridge named after the man. You're the governor of New York. A year ago, you became an international hero. I remember being on this podcast and being like, can Andrew Cuomo like run for president? Is it too late? Because the Biden thing wasn't really working for me. That said, fast forward a year, sir done fucked up his bag and had to resign because he wanted to grab titties and ass at the office. Sir, sir. Now you got your brother involved in this shit. And let me also say, Chris Cuomo is a grown ass man. Chris Cuomo involved himself in his brother's shit. And I understand there's a weird dynamic with siblings. You know, I ain't got one, so I can't fully relate. But, you know, you want to make sure your sibling is good. Especially as, like, a little brother. This person has guided you. You've looked up to them all of their life. That takes absolutely no accountability away from Chris Cuomo. Because, again, grown-ass man. I think Big Brother is, like, in his late 60s. I think Chris is, like, in his mid-50s. Grown-ass man who should make better decisions. But you fucking around trying to protect your brother... It could sink his battleship. That's what I was originally saying. I didn't think Andrew Cuomo was going to have to resign. I knew there was a scandal. I knew there were scandals. I thought because of, uh, what's his word? What's the word? His, um, His power, essentially, that he'd be able to weather the storm. In my head, I'm thinking like Chris, because of his ratings, he should be able to weather this storm. Not that he should. I'm thinking that he would be able to, but then I'm like, I can't call it anymore. Folks are not always treating white men in the way that they used to be treated. Sometimes they make those mofos pay for their bad behavior. I'm thinking Chris will be suspended. I also think CNN is probably sick of his shit. serving fucking up in his downtime. Although I did appreciate when he wandered into his wife's live feed like butt ass naked. I think it was outdoors naked, too, like drinking coffee. He was just wandering around naked. You know, sometimes you just want to get some sun and, you know, off the unseen places. You know, go forth. I liked it when he tried to beat that dude's ass for calling him Fredo, too. But there's other shit. Sir, sir. I don't know. I don't, I don't wish him anything. I don't wish him the best. I don't, I don't wish him any negativity. I'm just going to follow the story and see what happens. What do you think's going to happen? All right. That's the episode for this week. Again, if you haven't been to the site, Demetria for your ratchet and respectable merchandise. I told you in the beginning of the podcast, what's there, what's not. If you want your ish and you don't want to wait for um, for the restock, which I don't know when is coming. I currently do not have an order in, which means it'll be at least six weeks before stuff comes in. If I were you, I would head to the site. And get what I want, especially while there's still a sale on. I kept the sale going just for the podcast listeners because I don't know how many of you follow me on social media. But I wanted to make sure that you had the opportunity to get the stuff that you wanted um, at the sale price. I appreciate you very much as my listeners. I appreciate your support and I'm very thankful for you. So if I can give you a little hookup, I will. That's not everything, but it's enough. We'll talk again on Friday. Okay. Bye.